Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Hi, I'm John Ritchie, and I'm the Chief Creative Officer at Force 4 Entertainment in Vancouver. It is really all about relationships, and those relationships are built on trust. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? You go in, you pitch. They seem like nice people, but they don't like your idea, and you're crushed. Eventually, after three, four times, some of those people would say, please keep pitching me. No is the most common answer, and it's how you take the no that determines what happens next. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is your co-host, Fred Keating. We are in Banff, Canada, at the Banff World Media Festival, which is a huge event, international stature. People come here from all around the world, people from the film and television industry, the digital entertainment industry, and they're here to pitch their ideas, to learn about new ideas. And our guest this time, our very special guest, is John Ritchie. He's the Chief Creative Officer for Force 4 Entertainment. Welcome, John. Thanks very much, Marvin. Hey, Fred, just so that we can prove to everybody that you're in the room, you want to say hi as well? Well, okay, if you insist. May I just say, this is the 37th annual gathering of Minds in the Mountains. The festival was once known as the Banff International Television Festival, but as we progress technologically, it has now incorporated the digital world as well, hence the, uh, the new name over the last couple of years, Banff World Media Festival. And John is an expert at all of this. And the reason why we asked him to join us is because he's quite an expert at pitching. So John, why don't you just freewheel here a little bit? Tell us some of your thoughts. Certainly. I just wanted to say that it was, it was probably 25 of those years ago at Banff that I first met Fred. So it's, it's been a long, long time. And as the voice of the Banff uh, World Media Festival, I hear Fred's voice a lot, sometimes more than maybe I'd like to, but it's great to be here and nice to see you again, Fred. Pitching is a huge subject. I guess, you know, where I could start is uh, with how I learned to pitch television shows. Mostly our business is still television. Uh, we're doing some digital you know, media projects as well now because, of course, that's a hugely growing field. But I think pitching is about a whole bunch of things, and primarily it starts with a relationship. It's like you know, to think that you can pitch an idea to someone you've never met before and they're going to buy it from you and spend a lot of money on it is, that's not the way it works. And I think understanding that you need to a, get into an industry, you need to build a relationship with someone who has some decision-making power, and then ultimately you need to pitch that project to someone who actually can provide you with the money to make the project. And that's not a simple process by any means, and I think maybe the biggest mistake people make sometimes is to think that it's only about a great idea, because it's about a lot more than that. So trust is really important, but how do you build that trust in the first place? That's a really great question. Trust is about reputation. Trust is about track record. It's about many, many things. So there is a benefit to getting old, which I know, Fred, you're pleased about as well as uh, am I. <laughs> uh, you know, if you build a reputation, if you always deliver 
what you say you're going to deliver. If you don't go over budget and you deliver on time, then you are in trust. And uh, that's why the people who've been in the industry the longest and, and have succeeded at it are the people who get the power to make decisions about what is and what is not a good pitch or a good project. But prior to gaining trust as an individual before you pitch to somebody, uh, conventional wisdom used to be, John, that as a guy with no track record whatsoever, it would be better for me to apprentice, if you will, with a company that already had a relationship with a broadcaster. And that way, if the company I was working with supported my idea, It was a much safer bet that we could get that made because of a relationship that your company, for example, had with major broadcasters in this country and other countries. So I can remember being advised not to go in, as you said, to somebody I didn't know or simply knew of, but first of all, to hang on the coattails, if you will, with a more successful company that already established that kind of reputation for reliability and and good service. Yeah, absolutely, and that hasn't changed one bit. I mean, I get pitched, and our development team of six people get pitched tons of ideas every week. If I know that person and they have a solid track record of delivering, of you know being able to execute what they say they are gonna do, then I'm way more interested than if it's someone that I've never met before. So I think one of the things is, you know, I tell everybody, if you want to be in this business, go get educated in it by going to school. And when you come out of school, try to get your foot in the door by getting work. It may be freelancing. It might be an internship to start with, and then it might be freelancing, and then it might turn into something more. But you want to get to know people in the business, and you want to get them to trust you, and you got to work hard, and all that good stuff that everybody knows. But that hasn't changed one bit, because it is really all about relationships, and those relationships are built on trust. Now, once the relationship is actually there, and that gets your foot in the door, what happens next? Once you've got a, you know, a very good relationship, you're kind of in a place where now people want to hear your ideas. Um, so if you take our company, for example, Force 4 Entertainment, we take a lot of pitches weekly. We often say no, you know, no, we've got something like this already in development. People hate hearing that, but it's true. Uh, no, this is really nice idea, but we can't see a home for it, for the you know relationships we have with the broadcasters that we work with and the ones that we want to work with. Uh, so no is the most common answer. And it's how you take the no that determines what happens next. Have there been incidents when, in fact, someone has brought a a pitch to you, and either because of previous knowledge of that individual, even though the pitch of the day is not appropriate, that some weeks or months or a year from now, you might have a pitch or an idea developed internally and say, you know, it's like the one that that fella brought us a year ago. He might be, if we're already got a full plate of production. We may want to bring him back, even though it wasn't the same project. He seemed capable of this kind of thing, and it'd be good to get him inside the tent. Absolutely. So one of the areas you're touching on there is kind of ethics around creative ideas because people are very afraid uh, and understandably so if they have an incredibly original idea, they're afraid that it'll get stolen from them. And it happens. It absolutely does happen. It doesn't happen at our company. And there's a whole bunch of things we put in place to make sure that it doesn't happen. One of those things is if we get something that's similar to something we're already doing, we say so. You know, but yes, I mean, uh, certainly... 
again, it's like don't expect if you're gonna if we're gonna bring you in to work on a project that that is a good idea you have, don't expect to run that project because a network's not even gonna allow that. Never mind what we think, right? That there's millions of dollars on the line. This would be your chance if we like your idea and the network likes your idea. This would be your chance to learn how the business works and work under an experienced showrunner. That's kind of one thing people need to understand. I'd like to follow up on the statement you made a couple of minutes ago, John, where you said it's how you take the no that makes a big difference. And I wonder if you could share with us as a fellow who is pitched to constantly some tips to share with us about what really turns you off in a pitch. I think the first thing I'd like to say is that in the course of my career of 25 plus years, there are lots of broadcasters I have an amazing relationship with who rejected me 10, 15 times. You go in, you pitch. They, they seem like nice people, but they don't like your idea and you're crushed and you leave and you think, oh, well, I'm not going back there again. And then you do go back there. And they, you know, and eventually after three, four times, that some of those people to, to my benefit would say, please keep pitching me because they're liking the way that I'm pitching and they're liking the fact that I'm not having a hissy fit when I when I'm rejected. So how you take that no is everything. It really is. And so to answer your question, the same thing applies. If someone pitches me something and they don't take my feedback well or our team's feedback well uh, and they don't believe us uh, when we say this just isn't right or or we have something like this or whatever the feedback is because it's honest feedback, then we probably don't really want to see another pitch from that person. Now, John, I think there is a, a pecking order or a food chain here that's worth mentioning because you represent the production company. So let's say I'm a young producer or a young screenwriter and I have this fantastic creative idea. Now, I'm pitching it to you and then you're pitching it to the network or should I be pitching that to the network directly? Is that even realistic? Well, that's a really great question. Certainly that's what goes through people's heads, right? And if you have a relationship with somebody at a network, then by all means, go straight to the network. Sometimes the network will say, we like this. We want you to work with a production company with the experience and the bank account and the financing to back you up. So there's no it's, it's a funny business that way. There's no hard and fast rules. I'm finding more and more in Canada that people are pitching production companies than networks because everything's tightened up. There's less networks. The money's tighter. The production companies, uh, you know, like ours are, are growing. And so the model in Canada is becoming more like the American model. So it's like you said at the beginning, if you're new to the game, nobody's going to give you millions and millions of dollars to execute a project by yourself. You really need to team up with somebody and that would be a production company. Yes, absolutely. That's your foot in the door is a relationship with a production company for sure when you're new. You know, this reminds me of what they used to say about this very festival, which was it takes really about three years to get established. You come the first time, there's so many people and companies here that you may or may not be familiar with, you can feel a little lost in the crowd. But you make a couple of contacts. The following year, you come back and you hook up with somebody that you had coffee with the year before. And that person says, so what, do you, what have you done since we met last year? And you chat about it. And then the third year, you pop up again. 
And that person says, what have you been working on? And you tell them, and they go, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, we should think about working together at some point. And they're impressed that you're still in the game. That's exactly it. You become a part of the landscape. And what John said earlier about coming back and pitching to the same people who haven't taken the bait up to that point is every time John goes back, he probably has more of a track record under his belt, and, uh, and that alone gives him more credibility than the new guy or the guy who takes no once or twice and says, well, maybe this industry isn't for me. They want to see some tenacity, polite tenacity, of course. Right, John? Yeah, absolutely. And if I go back to first meeting Fred 25 years ago or whenever it was, I think it probably took me five years, actually, of coming to the Banff Television Festival to actually land an actual deal. And I was with a production company. We were talking to all these networks, and then one day, suddenly, massive breakthrough. But that didn't happen by accident. No, I think nothing is wasted. I think the five years that it took you to plant those seeds, to generate relationships that were authentic relationships, not just, hey, buy what I got and help me get ahead. I think planting those seeds and and building the personal and professional network that you could seek advice and counsel from, not pushing and promoting and, and only looking out for yourself, made that fifth year magic when a whole bunch of things came together for you yeah absolutely and it's very interesting you're you're kind of uh, making me all misty-eyed here because you know I, I realized 25 years later that I'm kind of doing for a lot of people or hoping to do for a lot of people what was done for me back then and that's how the world works right it's like it's a good feeling to listen to a young person pitch their idea with all their passion and you don't ever want to say no because it's just a not a nice thing to have to say so you say well let me think about it knowing that the chances are slim but that you may meet that person again in a year you might meet them in Toronto or Vancouver and it does take staying power like if there's one message and that's hard to do and if you're trying to work and make a living and maybe you're freelancing and how do you then also pitch your projects and afford to come to this conference but hey nobody ever said it was going to be easy right you know fred there's just so much going on inside this man's mind what do you say we catch up with him again and do another episode of monetizing your creativity with john ritchie and let's explore his backstory i just want to make sure he's still speaking to us before we make any assumptions because he's a very very sophisticated and savvy kind of guy who's laughing on the outside now but inside there's a okay could we come back and talk again sometime uh, i'd be happy to do that absolutely thanks for tuning in to monetizing your creativity Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.